Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Tell me steak in advance doesn't get you a little bit juiced. Come on, say it. You can't fool me. Look in your eyes right after a kill. Just get hungry for more. You're way off base. Tell me that if you don't get in a good sling, after a while, you just start itching for some vamp to show up so you can give him a good thumb. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> How do you do? What a time to be alive and what an episode for us to discuss in just a few moments. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm excited. But before we jump in, we just have a few announcements. We do. Uh, Of course, it is January, a new month, which means that we are writing five more lyric sheets, handwritten lyric sheets. Each month we do five and the proceeds all go to a different organization. January, all of the money is going to Time's Up, a unified call for change from women in entertainment for women everywhere. I think it's thematic to the episode, too. Bad girls, nasty women. Did you watch the Golden Globes? Did you hear Oprah's speech? Did you see when Natalie Portman said all men? Oh, <laughs> it was great. So uh, you can go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash greater good. It'll direct you to the page where we sell those handwritten lyric sheets. You can get one for yourself. You can get one for maybe uh, a woman that you love, a powerful, badass woman that deserves something good. You can get her one of these, and at the same time, you can also uh, get all of us additional funding for this wonderful movement that has started that we believe in. You could also get one for your friend who's sort of the underdog, who nobody takes care of, who's like living in the motel, even <laughs> though there's totally a guest room at the summer's yeah, house. Yeah, God damn it, get one for Faith. <laughs> she deserves something. Also, oh my gosh, guess what? In February, we will be doing one of our now infamous Buffy watches for our patrons. If you want to get in on that, you can definitely become a patron. Just go to our website at bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on Patreon, and it will take you to a, through a magical portal to our wonderful secret garden of <laughs> excitement and joy. We'll be announcing the date and all the details soon, so join us and uh, see you in February. Yeah, see you in February and every day until then. Uh, Listen, if you are so sad because you have just been wanting a smash the demon lizard patriarchy sweatshirt and they have not been in your size, don't fear. They are back in stock along with many other items. Uh, We have restocked the store after the holiday chaos. And so you can find a lot of things over there. Just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on shop. I want to let you know the Randy for Giles pins are not back in stock yet. We are working on it. The last pin company we used sent all of our pins to Australia and they lost them forever. So we're working with a new pin company (laughs) and the pins will hopefully be uh, back in stock within the month. We'll let you know when they get back. There's a little button on the store page where you can click notify me and many of you have. So if you are are after a product that is out, just click on that little notify button and then I think you get an email or something when the product comes back in stock. Okay, before we get into this episode, just want to warn you that Kristen got the chance to speak with Jack Plotnick, who of course you must already know, 
portrays Alan, Alan, assistant to the mayor, deputy mayor, even deputy I think that's mayor, his official title. I believe. Uh, and she had an amazing conversation with Jack. He had so many fantastic stories, and really, really, really excited to share that interview with you later in this episode. Yes, and and everything that comes before and after that interview is just Jenny and I losing our minds. So buckle the fuck up. I myself am buckled, so let us now advance directly and without <laughs> hesitation into the episode. Bad girls, bad girls, what you gonna do? <laughs> what you gonna do when they come for you? Kill a man. Ba- oh. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week we're talking about season three, episode 14, Bad Girls, otherwise known as Season Faith, episode. Get through the intro in this episode before we deal it out to those who deserve it. Yep, obviously it goes to Balthazar and the water. (laughs) Just fucking kidding. Faith and Buffy. You, uh, listen, at the end of this whole thing, we're going to have a showdown for the Sexual Tension Award for the series. And I'm just putting my hat in the fucking ring right here. This is the episode. For Faith and Buffy. In this episode, I think it'll take the season. I think it'll take the series. God damn it. <laughs> Just two gal pals <laughs> gal having it out and around. Yeah, that's right. Wow. 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 Anyway, we are professional ladies right, who right. run a mm, podcast ahem. and we have business to attend to. <clears throat> Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we're discussing. And guess the fuck what? Somebody wrote wrote in and was like, Kristen, maybe you should say fuck less because it's losing its meaning. And to that I say, (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't. Not this week. Not today. Not today. Yeah, Uh, Jess Abbott is back with us this week again. uh, Yes. Reprising her role as Faith in Uh, the musical universe of our show. Hooray. Jenny and Jess have been uh, writing, co-writing via Skype, and it has been a delight for me. I, like, walk by and they're arguing about, like, what other sexy innuendo they could put in right, the song. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, it's been a hoot. It is. It and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Bad Girls was written by Doug Petrie, directed by Michael Lang, and originally aired on February 9th, 1999. Wow, 999. Yeah, 999. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, 2999. Well, two, yeah. Okay. Yep, yeah, great. <laughs> Bad Girls is the one where... Attention award jingle a third time, probably, but like, probably you think we have a lot to get out of our systems. Sounds like someone else I can think of. Wow. Yeah, that's right. If we, I want everyone to know that if we were in a studio where I had a button that played the sexual tension or jingle, <laughs> you would be hearing it 1,000 times because it's my favorite joke. I keep stopping and looking at Jenny and being like, put it in again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is the one where Faith convinces Buffy to live on the wild side with fatal consequences. Thank you, IMDb, but you don't get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
God, yeah. This is also the one where Buffy and Faith are totally doing it, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we open. Let's just jump right in because we have a lot to say. Oh, and not only do we have a lot to say, but as you probably heard in the intro, we also got to interview Jack Platnick, who plays Alan. What a peach. So this episode is just going to be f- just full to its brims. We also have an installment of Kate Leth's Buffy Fashion Watch from which you may never recover. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's uh, warning, warning, lies <laughs> ahead, uh, risky business. <laughs> is, that, uh, is that the category that you would put Kate's Fashion uh, Watch in? Yeah, that's where I'd put it. Okay, uh-huh. so we jump right into this episode with uh, Same Time Slaying. We know how Jenny feels. About same time slaying. I mean, slaying. if you're going to kick off this episode with anything, <laughs> let it be a same time slaying. Let everybody be thrown to the ground in the cemetery at the same time. Uh, Vampire totally. on top. Mid-conversation. Faith cannot get over the fact that Buffy has never done it with Xander. And here's why. Let me give you a window into the mind of a Sagittarius. Hey, that's me. Faith is like... I had sex with Xander. If Buffy had sex with Xander, that puts me closer to Buffy. I think I like that analysis. However, I think I think Faith just brings it up because she wants to be talking about sex. Oh, but both, both. It's right. a it's a win-win. It's a double-edged sex talk. I was gonna say double-edged sword would have worked. Well, yeah, because well. I guess there are swords. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> So I um I wrote an erotic novel 56 seconds into the viewing. Are you ready? Great. I'm so ready. What are friends for? All this sweating nightly side-by-side action you never put in for a little after hours. Uh? I spelled that U-N-H. That noise. Yeah. The way um, I said it or the way that... Both. <laughs> I tried to read it verbatim from my spelling. That was the mm-hmm. longest erotic novel you've ever written on know. this show. I don't know. I'm not it's sure. pretty long. But it's it pretty could be long. It could be one of the best. I'm surprised you didn't include, uh, you know, a um, epilogue in your erotic novel. This isn't a Tupperware party. <laughs> Excuse me, Jenny, but that's definitely not a part of my erotic novel. <laughs> I guess we have different concepts of what's appropriate to include in an erotic <laughs> well, novel. Christine, Christine Tuna, back in our live taping over at Nerd Melt, said that perhaps she and I would collaborate wow. on a zine of erotic novels. Kristen strikes out on her own without me. And I and I just want to say to you, Christine, if you're listening, that Faith is wearing leopard print pants in this scene, so if that could be worked into your drawing, right. yes, please. I would really appreciate Beautiful. it. Beautiful. There's also uh, the first list little like tease of bad girl in this up ep- in this scene where uh, Buffy is like okay I'm gonna count down from three or whatever <laughs> and she's like three and faith is gone or one whatever she starts yeah with, and faith yeah it's already over the edge faith the, the rules of one two three go do not apply to faith Lahane. I'm not sure that any rules apply to faith. I'm not sure either <laughs> So then we go to the mayor's office. This is the best. Yeah, the mayor. So when we talked to Joanna uh, this season, Joanna was like, you know, I really feel like you're not giving the mayor as much excitement as the mayor is due. (laughs) And for me, part of it has been like, I know I love the mayor, but I don't exactly remember. Mm. Uh, And we try to, you know, stay with the where we are. But now we're really getting into it. 
Now, like, this is a great yeah. episode for this is why the bear rules. A great episode for the male ruling. And this scene in particular is a great Cliff's Notes for yes. uh, our sort of like uh, cabinet of villains here, right? We've got Mayor Wilkins equals family circus with a snake inside. <laughs> that PJ. Mr. Trick <laughs> equals Marmaduke because nobody can tell Marmaduke what to do. That's Mr. Trick's kind of dog. And Alan likes to read Kathy, <laughs> which is so great. It is. It's um, so great. I have a question. Have the antibacterial wipes always been stored in the dark arts closet? I Here's the thing. I have a feeling that there are many places in that office that just every drawer yes. and every door yes. opens onto a sanitizing cloth okay. of some okay. kind. Okay. I don't okay. think the mayor is going to, like, for heaven's sake, what if the cabinet was jammed and he couldn't get in there? Then he'd just have to have dirty hands? Oh, no, 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 no. No, that, that not acceptable. So, so I, like, I think, speaking yeah. of acceptable, Willow got into every school. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You and I were just talking about college applications, not apropos of this episode or really anything, but it reminded me of our conversation. Do you, cause you applied to one. I applied to one school. School. Do you know, like, did you apply to one school? Cause you were like, I will go to the school or nothing. Or did you apply to one school? Cause it was like a hundred bucks or 50 bucks to apply. And like, that was your budget. Uh, it was like a little bit of both. There were sort of like three schools I was aware of that had a program that I wanted to get into. And, uh, and one of them was a state school, which I had a better uh, chance of, being able to sort of afford or pay mm -hmm. off over time. Mm -hmm. And the other two were like, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Right. Um, so like those were deterrents. Uh, and of course the application fee was also a deterrent. Which is like really fucked up. That was that was kind of what our conversation led to when we talked about it the other day. I was like, because I applied to six colleges. That is so many schools. So, but also that's probably the norm. That's probably uh, what it was probably maybe a little kids over the do norm. These days. But like then I was like, damn, that's like it's like really messed up. I mean, paying for college in and of itself is kind of messed up. But but paying to apply to the college yeah. seems, uh, you know, it's almost as if this society that we live in is designed to keep uh, more wealthy people at the top. That doesn't that sound be, like a thing. No, that, no, that sounds, speaking of classism, uh, Cordelia <laughs> yes. is a piece of shit. <laughs> Cordelia is such an asshole. And then Xander is, Cordelia is classist. And then Xander is misogynistic. It, well, actually, and then Cordelia uh, is classist again. Oh, oh, is Cordelia classist twice? I, I think I only wrote down that hooker wear and then uh, my dad has a job. I didn't get the first classist. Well, I guess she's just Cordelia. sort of like making a comment about how he's a, oh, he's a loser, loser and he's going to keep being a loser yeah. and he's like planning on being a loser. So maybe that, I mean, yeah, take that as you Cordelia will. Cordelia really hasn't been like... Um, Given, I mean, we, we're coming off the Zeppo where like she was super one dimensional, but like I yeah. feel like in this episode too, this I feel like most most of the time since uh, they broke up, yes, like there's just been a lot of this, a lot of them like clawing at each other, yeah. and I'm ready for something new. I am too. I would like the depth and the layers back for my Cordelia. Yeah. Do you hear yeah. me? 1999 writers room. Ha. Okay. So also oh Oz boy. has black hair. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. And I'm pretty sure, spoiler alert, not really, but I'm pretty sure this is just for this one episode. Yeah. Maybe one or two. Yeah. It's like black hair, Oz, what? And then it's back to normal. Um, um so many delightful things in this episode. It's a Wesley Wyndham Price. Oh my God. New watcher? New watcher. <laughs> is he evil? 
Wesley Wyndham Price, listen, we you've got two Wesley fans in the room here. And he like comes, he could he just enters brilliantly like the first thing he's saying when we enter the scene is i've faced two vampires actually albeit in controlled circumstances i mean <laughs> he's so over the top and ridiculous and i feel like uh alexis denisoff is just like crushing it yes it's like ugh, oh isn't he's just so uh, i just want to squish him yes i do too and so did allison hannigan as a matter of mm. fact I met, I, most of you, all of you probably know this, but, uh, you know, uh, Alexis Denisoff and Allison Hannigan met on the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So we are not only watching the Sexual Tension Award episode of the series for Faith and Buffy, but we are also watching the Sexual Tension Award for uh, Allison <laughs> wow. Hannigan and Alexis Denisoff because that's wow. where it began. And according to my Buffy trivia, uh, Allison Hannigan was super into Alexis and uh, wanted to date him. And he was like, I can't date a coworker. Far too professional. Far too professional. So, yeah, he was like, mm, well, I've only uh, fought two vampires under control. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they were friends for like over a year before they got together. Aww. Sounds like someone else I know. Wow, gotta go. Uh, just saying, I tried to date Jenny for Sometimes a while, it's cool and Jenny to be was friends like, "Friends with people." I'm so professional, I couldn't possibly, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> couldn't possibly date a coworker. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, uh, I want to talk more about this scene, but before we go full into it, I just want to call back to the last scene because Willow has a comment about chemistry being. Like witchcraft, just less newt, which <laughs> I love, and I put in the category of Hellmath. Wow. Hellmath. Amazing. Okay, so so back to Wesley. I want <laughs> I want to give a special shout out to the shoulder move that Wesley does oh, in God. the scene where he's like, a good, good slayer, slayer is a, a cautious, cautious slayer. slayer. It's just like this so is, ridiculous. The move is so awkward, and yet it looks like exactly what this character would do naturally, which yeah, is totally. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's so, like, weirdly stiff and proper. And, and... makes Giles look like Giles is back to yeah. his Ripper days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he makes Giles look like Ripper. <laughs> Giles is just being normal Giles, and we're like, that guy's so cool. <laughs> yeah, who's that cool older guy? <laughs> Yeah, so we get a load of Wesley. Buffy gets a load of Wesley. Uh, then Faith comes in oh, and gets a load of great. Wesley. And it's like, no thanks. <laughs> just amazing. And Rem just leaves. Reminds me of that scene with Cordelia where she's like, tact is just not saying things. That she, whatever <laughs> she says. Uh, also, there's like, we get all the backstory in this scene, which, you know, Balthazar wants an amulet. Uh, right. Wesley right. thinks that Balthazar is dead already. Yep, yep. yep. Um, you know, he knows about swords, yada, God, yada, it's like, yada. who cares? Right, who cares? I know, that's how I feel about any note in my entire <laughs> watch that isn't about Faith and Buffy. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, something to note, just in general about this relationship is, I like, I give a little bit of credit. Wesley is a pain in the ass. He's kind of a nightmare and whatever, but I give him credit to, for, like, Sticking, it's hard. Like he's he is coming into yeah, yeah. a situation that is about as awkward as it could be. Totally, new manager taking over for fired dad. Right. It's almost like like I used to be a nanny, and sometimes when I was in, most times when I was a nanny, it would just be me and the kids. But then I had like a few jobs where the mom was like, "I'm gonna be here." But, like, I just want you to take care of the kids. And it was always, like, extra special awkward. Because, like, how yeah. do you really – you know, when somebody else's actual parent is there, 
there. You're yeah. like unsure of your footing. Ugh. And Wesley isn't. Wesley just goes for it. So credit to Wesley where credit is yeah, due. Yeah, I guess. But also stop telling Buffy to fetch stuff. Yeah. That's got to go, man. Also, like, Wesley and Giles are such odds, and then as soon as uh, the Slayers are out of the room, they, while not looking at each other, take their glasses off, take their handkerchiefs out, and clean their glasses in sweet, sweet unison. (laughs) That's beautiful. We need to find that gif is what we need to do or make it ourselves. Yeah. We're Slayers, girlfriend. The chosen two. How many times does Faith call (laughs) Buffy girlfriend? At least three. At least three, At right? At least three that I counted. It's My- a lot. <laughs> so this is an outside school, and they're, like, talking about slaying. My main note is flirt, 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 flirt. Because <laughs> uh, Faith is just, I mean, Faith is going hard. Tell me if you don't get in a good slay. After a while, you don't start itching for some vamp to come by so you can get in a good, uh, again. So, yeah, here's this thing, right? Okay, so uh, in, like, the Anne Rice interview with the vampire sort of universe, uh, that's the first time, the first incident I'm aware of that, like, vampires feeding equals sex. Mm. Like, that uh, comparison is sort of, like, made obvious. Right. And I feel like this episode is sort of clubbing us over the head with, at least from Faith's perspective, Slaying is like sex, which we yes. it's been hinted at with like hungry and horny. Right. I mean in previous episodes, but this episode, they are going hard. I just like I feel like that's the seed of this episode is that the writer of this episode was like hungry and horny. That's what I'm gonna use. Because it's used <laughs> over and over again to underline the fact that what faith is after is is and this is complicated. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the song anyway, like the creation of the song for today's episode. And you'll hear it down the line. First, you're going to listen to us talk about Buffy and Faith doing it for a while. But when when we were conceptualizing the song, it was like we wanted to be about like bad girls because there's the there's the through line of the episode that's sort of like sexuality, right? That it's bla- I mean, this is not just two queer women reading uh, between lines here. This is these are the lines. Like this <laughs> this is this is straight up what's happening. And so there's that line which is like, oh, it's like it's it's you know, it's different and it's not the norm mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. ladies wanting to kiss ladies. It's dangerous like dark in the shadows, like mm. the like pulp lesbian novels, right? Sure. And there's a part of that that we love, but it's lined up with Faith also breaking a bunch of other laws and rules and what have you. And so when when we were conceptualizing the song and having conver- like initial conversations around it, I was like, well, this is tricky because like we want the song to be all sexual innuendo. But then it's like, is the message – because the message of the show is like you can't cross those lines and the show means – that you can't cross. You can't kill a man. You can't kill a man. But because it's laid over this parallel of like Faith's desire for Buffy, the message of like, well, you can't go too far with that because you'll cross a line. Right, is right. super complicated. And I don't think that that, I mean, maybe that's rose-tinted glasses of me to not think that that was intentional. I mean, not intentional, but like, you know, I think that it, I think that what it is is that our, common perception of sexuality when it isn't heterosexuality is like dark and dangerous, especially in like 1990. I mean, still today, but 1999, you know, like it was still like, do you talk about it? Do you not? Like that kind of a vibe. So it's interesting to me and I love it. I love that it's like not right over the head and you're like, oh my God. But I also (laughs) feel like there's complicated stuff that happens because of that overlay. So I just wanted to say that. Yes. Um, you know what I want to talk about? What? Wait. Stop. Think. 
No, no, no. It's a manhole. Tight space, no escape, six against two, not unlike three against one. And there might be more, so come on. You're just gonna go down there. That's your plan. Who said I had a plan? I don't know how many's down there, but I want to find out. And I'll know when I land. If you don't come in after me, I might die. Fucking... I don't know how many's down there, but I want to find out. <laughs> and I'll know when I land. And if you don't come in after me, I might die. <laughs> Hop. Ah! <laughs> Listen. <sighs> yes. There's so many, like, I just want to, like, frame, I want to print out the script of this episode and frame every page of it and hang it all over our house. Yeah, I, out listen, of order. as the other person who lives in this house, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, so this is the scene where Buffy is in the crypt. She's like, got the amulet. And then she's like, oh no, men are coming. And so she jumps into the crypt. <laughs> and while they're looking at her, she pulls the cover over her head, but no <laughs> yeah. one notices. Mm. And then Faith is there. Faith is just like four paces <laughs> behind her. You know, Faith was like, yeah. I'm not coming. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so then we go to Wesley and Giles again. I do like the cutaways to them, like sort of. Right, right. Oh my God, Wesley reading like Giles' early Watchers yes. diary entries where he's like, oh, this girl butchers the English language and she's <laughs> insolent and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Now, okay, so. Oh my God. So the girl. Are you about to talk about what I think you're about to talk about? I am, I am. The girls ju- jump down the hole uh, after each other mm-hmm. or whatever, then they're in this fight. And they're fighting the, what do you call these guys? A medieval times vampires? Yeah, but they have a name, Illuminati. Medieval times vampires? Aren't they like, okay. Illuminati, I believe. Illuminati, not to be confused mm. with Illuminati. Mm. Uh, okay, medieval times vampires, they're fighting them. And like Faith is like up against the wall and she, oh, oh my God, my. something's going to happen. So Buffy throws the stick across the room and it's like... <laughs> Oh my God. Are, I can't. Jenny, are you, do you need to take a time out? I'm usually fine, but this is too much. Her legs, Jenny's legs are like cro- like crossed. And then like if you put your right leg over your left leg and then take your um, right foot and tuck it behind your left foot so that it's like wrapped around itself. That's why she's listen, sitting I'm right all now. wound up. Literally. Uh, so anyhow, Buffy throws the stake and it's like, whoo, 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 and it stakes the vampire. And then there's this close up. Now you listen here. If you missed, Yo. if you missed this, you gotta go look you at You have it. to go back. The way she looks at Buffy. The fucking like eyebrow raise of thanks. <laughs> uh, and perhaps of I'll be thanking you later. Do you think? You know what I mean? Jenny, do you think that you would be open to uh, us each trying to recreate that look? That Absolutely not under no God, circumstances. God, come on. What, can we get them to do something? If they do, if our listeners do something for you, <laughs> will you do this for us? No. Seriously, nothing. No, I am Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am not Faith the Vampire Slayer. I just want Slayer. you to like try to recreate the there's place. no recreating it it's it is a isolated it's like fucking Haley's comet except way more rare <laughs> and you just have to accept that just a regular person like myself can't fucking wake well, up right. in the morning brush their teeth and then try to make that face that's exactly the fun of it so don't worry everyone because i'm married to jenny and i can get her to do anything <laughs> and we'll be both trying to recreate that look for our social media accounts i <laughs> Hate you and I want to Good business people would say if we reach six thousand Twitter followers, but not us. We just want to have fun. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Except I don't want to have that particular kind of fun. Well, you're gonna have it anyway. I know. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so then Buffy gets drowned again. I hate it when they drown me. I hate it when they drown me. It's it's nice the way they edit it, too. They kind of do that same slow-mo that they did in the... End of season one, you know? So you're like, oh, right, flashback. Right, right, oh, right. no. Yeah. And then tell me you don't get off on this. It's just like they're in the middle of stuff. Like, this is not the time. Faith, they're I mean, like Faith, I think, busy. believes it to be the... Yeah, I guess Faith is I like, it, this is precisely the time. No, you know, we should talk about Faith in a general Yo, way. We totally should because, I mean, there's so much to say. Of course. In particular, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, some of the conversations that we were having with Jess Abbott while we were writing the song. Jess brought to our attention, you know, the idea that sort of like, once Faith is on the scene, everyone's like, oh, now Buffy, like sweet golden Buffy, can like go to college, can go away, can do whatever she wants. Faith obviously doesn't care about her own life. She can just become the slayer in Sunnydale now. Like, Faith dropped out of high school. Faith will do whatever we say. Yeah, and Faith, like... And Faith is still living at a motel, and, and she's a child. A child. Like, a that's, I think... teenager. That That is what Jess said. Like, Jess just, like, casually said those words. Like, and she's a child. And Jenny and I were like, yeah, she's a fucking child. And, like, no one is taking care of her. No one is helping her out. And Who is her legal guardian at very, this stage? Very few people are believing in her or... Even pushing her. It's like, you see that she cares. You see. They treat her like she's like a 30-year-old adult. They're like, well, you know, Faith, she's just like off on one of her walkabouts. Nobody's like, hey, that 16 or 17-year-old that we're sort of responsible for, like, may or may not be alive right now. Right. And, you know, certainly you don't expect that from, like, any of her peers. I wouldn't expect anyone, you know, Buffy or Willow or, you know, they're all the same age, give or take. And But so, Giles, what the fuck? But Joyce, right, what Joyce, the fuck? Giles, Wesley, come on. Spike. Gwendolyn Post. Angel. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, Spike and Angel. Just, like, people who are um, uh, adults yeah. letting this happen and not stepping in and not sort of advising Buffy or, you know, any of the others to kind of step in on their behalf or anything. Just, yeah, it's just a lot. And, you know, as we see, this tragic thing happens, but we'll get there. But, oh boy, do we have some places to go first, don't we? <laughs> don't we? Don't uh, we? Uh, uh, uh. Ah, science class. <laughs> science class. So there's like, 
There's a few things. First of all, the concept of the honor system test, the teacher's leaving them alone for no reason <laughs> and is other than so that Buffy can leave I class. Did, we did a um if you're a patron of ours, you know that we do Buffy watches and for all of our patrons and the most recent Buffy watch that we did was for Bad Girls and I think I remember somebody in the chat. So we watched the episode all together with anyone who's in our secret Facebook group and somebody in the chat I remember saying something like, "Well, you know that teacher's got a cigarette to smoke like <laughs> classic move where the teacher's just like get me the fuck out of here give these like they didn't like the teacher didn't care at all if they cheated or not she yeah was just like bye yeah so buffy's going like on and on and on and on and on and on yes i want to say something about Please. this because i know once we get past buffy going on and on <laughs> jenny's gonna spiral no turning back. Yeah, right jenny's gonna be sucked out of the door <laughs> So, but so I just, it called to mind something for me because this whole episode is, is just super queer. And Buffy is sitting in class and she's talking to Willow. She's trying to explain to Willow. And there's a huge disconnect between Willow and Buffy in this episode. Mm. And it's framed, and, and I think that this is uh, valid also, that it's framed in, you know, Buffy is, is breaking rules and is sort of like acting out and Willow isn't and it's putting a divide between them. Mm -hmm. But I also think we can apply this queer lens to it. And it just reminded me of when, when Buffy is saying to Willow, like, you know, I actually don't think you can understand of what it feels like oftentimes when you are a queer person and you are trying to or decide not to try to explain what your experience is like. And this, of course, applies to across race, across class, like you, our experiences when we speak to other people who have not lived those experiences can be really hard to communicate and you can feel really isolated. Right, but also, like, on the flip side of that, like, I feel like Willow is trying to relate to her on a very, like, legitimate, yes. uh, supernatural level and is just getting, like, shut down out of hand. Totally. but And that's, and I, I think that that's, I guess for me it resonated because I still have these moments where I'm like, you just wouldn't understand. I get really angry, you know? And, and the anger is valid. It comes from being in a world for my whole life that really wasn't set up for people to easily understand me. Mm -hmm. And that can be very angering. But sometimes that anger and that isolation can manifest in me not actually noticing when I could relate to someone who doesn't have the exact right. So there, there are two sides to it. But yeah. I just thought it was a cool thing to talk about. And, and it underlines for me, too, this experience why spaces that we share with other people who do share our identities are so precious and special mm -hmm. and important. You know, that when we're like, hey, this is a queer-only space, and people might be like, but why? Right. Well, it's like, because in that space, you don't really have to explain yes. a lot of the foundational stuff you might have to explain. And I'm putting a lot on this scene, but this episode has a lot in it, so I, I feel it's fair. Yeah, I mean, so many like, sides. whatever. So many sides. Well, you know, there's only one side to Xander's eye twitch that occurs oh, right. every time somebody says the word faith. It's a great moment. Pretty great. It's, yeah, Xander. Well done. Good eye twitch. Yeah, Nicholas Brendan really knocks it out of the park on this. We got to give him some credit because it's good. And when he's like, you know, some people care about school. He's like, oh, it's just <laughs> yeah. a really good delivery. Yeah. Oh, do they? <laughs> it's a really good delivery. Oh, so boy. And then along comes <laughs> my ability to take notes lost, like just was entirely lost at this moment. My, I'm just going to like read you or try to read you what I have written. This spans, this is all I wrote from the moment that the knock on the window happened until 
they're at the bronze dancing. Okay. And we'll go back and discuss all these things in detail. But my full notes for that whole series of events is knock, knock. What? Then I drew a heart with an arrow in it. The hand sweep. Come on. Ah, the, ah, that's it. It's all my notes. Yeah. Well, that's one way to look at it all. Sure. (laughs) Of course. Um, Another way to look at it is, ah, did you see that? I don't, think I ever responded to this season the way I'm responding to it yeah. on this watch. Well, you've uh, never gotten to watch it together with thousands of people who yeah. feel the exact same yeah. thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot. I mean, ha- the most maybe used gif of the series is, yeah. is Faith. <laughs> Faith fogging up the window, drawing a little heart putting a little steak. steak through it and then again with the fucking eyebrow if her eyebrows are unbelievable Emmy unbelie- goes to if there, that's exactly Dishka. what I was going to say if there was an Emmy for eyebrow use absolutely <laughs> Eliza Dishka would have won it for this episode <laughs> good god yeah it's really incredible and also one of the first times that we rewatched this episode for the podcast I was like holy shit all three of these scenes happen Within, like, just a few seconds. Like, they're just, it's like, boom, she's at the window. Boom, there, there's the scene with the light behind them mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, the stakes. Mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. boom, they're dancing in the yeah, box. Yeah, yeah, okay, like, okay, 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 sorry. Okay, 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 so, great. oh, my God. Again, with the hey, girlfriend, bad time. <laughs> and, uh, like, found a nest. Let's uh, get out of here. <laughs> Buffy just, like, climbs out the window and leaves school. Yeah, Willow's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what in the hell? Oh what? my god! And the queer storyline is happening. Yeah, yeah. And then we get uh, like closed doors inside of a crypt, and that like great uh, string sort of like slow slide that sounds so creepy. And then they bust through the doors, and there's sunlight, and they're silhouetted, and they're like quip, quip, unison steak draw. Hell yeah! <laughs> wow, what a great thing yeah, to be able a, to watch. What a time to be that, alive! That's like, because there there are three gifts that I see, and maybe my um, the gifts I see are a little biased because I'm a queer woman. Sure, but the gifts I see the most from this series are those with the heart. The two of them walking through that door with the light behind them and them dancing at the bronze. Oh, my God. Okay, so now we're, like, we're really at peak. We're, like, on the top of the peak of Mount Sexy. Slayer fucking tension. Um, So now that we're up here, uh, it's probably time for Kate Leth to plant the flag. I mean, listen, if Kate Leth lives anywhere, it's at the peak of this mountain. (laughs) So... We, you know, we just asked Kate for just a regular fashion watch. Kate, can you give us yeah, a, just something, uh, just, just a fashion watch, whatever you think. And Kate delivered the following to our email inboxes and and we deceased. This is, we're deceased. This is the ghost. We are of, the ghosts of yes. Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, sounds Killed a lot like. by Buffy Fashion Watch. Yeah, just a little more opaque, but really the same, same deal. So you've been warned this may be the last Buffy Fashion Watch you ever hear because it may kill you dead. It may. Here we go. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy Fashion Update. Hello and welcome to Buffy Fashion Watch. There's so much to say, I don't know where to start. With Faith at the windowpane drawing a heart, her nails, her expression, the thumb ring she wears, the way she delights in Bee's curious stares. The snakeskin, the pleather, the black denim jacket, her grin stealing weapons and causing a racket. 
Those dark crimson lips when they're not painted brown, beguiling her partner to take on the town. Poor Buffy, sweet Buffy, entranced by her looks, is dressed like she'd rather be drowning in books. This episode has her in soft baby pink until Faith's Hey Girlfriend is launched with a wink. Then out comes the leather, the black chunky heels, the loaded exchanges on how slaying feels. Just dancing to curve at the bronze late at night to work out the rush they're both feeling post-fight. Not Angel, not Xander, no boys are allowed. Not Wesley, not Willow, cause three is a crowd. Is Buffy's descent ill-advised? Sure, in theory. But if you'll attend me, I'll pose you a query. Would any among us be better equipped to argue if faith beckoned us to a crypt? Or would, like our heroine, we simply fall? Think on it. I'll be waiting here. At the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Kate, I love you. Kate, you're perfect. <laughs> Kate. Wow. A fashion watch. There, now, now. Peroxide would still work for Kate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I can't handle it. I can't take it. I can't possibly no. continue to live in this world. We bow down before ye. We are just humble ghosts. Humble ghosts. Just humble ghosts at your service, Kate Lath. Holy Thank you, Kate. shit. Thanks, Kate, for being so amazing. <laughs> okay, so listen, about the sexy dancing yeah, at the about bronze. It. What about it, Jenny? When did the bronze get those flashy lights? When did the bronze start playing like off-brand prodigy songs? And when did the bronze acquire this like pod of very hygienic dancing boy bots that swarm around Buffy I and think Faith? If somebody tipped them off to this episode, <laughs> they were like, "Hey guys, uh, yeah, there's gonna, gonna be, be some step girl, up on girl next dancing." Week. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's definitely the most dancing that the bronze has seen. Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen some sexy dancing, but um, but that's like the highest energy sexy dancing. Yes, for I mean, sure. I, I think it might be the only strobe light. We've seen at the probably bronze, right? right. Yeah, I feel like it never gets above mid tempo in the bronze. Right. You know who never gets above mid tempo? <laughs> Angel. <It's> Angel. <laughs> who like walks in and looks at what's happening, and I just would like to frame that moment as well. Yeah, like... it's very like I seem to have stumbled into a parallel universe. <laughs> He's like, all of my senses tell me that something is happening here, and yet I know. That couldn't be happening here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Buffy sort of like goes over to Angel and jumps on him. Yeah, like yeah. Wraps her legs around yep, him. Yep. And, and she's like, like, don't worry uh... about all those boys. Ugh, boys, gross. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then, as if that wasn't enough of a party at the bronze. Oh, look, it's Wesley. Oh, my God. And Wesley is like as flummoxed as Wesley could possibly be. He doesn't know what's going on. No one is telling him anything. Buffy's like, <laughs> oh, the amulet? Just give it to this guy. Which, Wesley, why do you give it to him? You don't even know who he is. He doesn't even have the choice. She takes it out of his jacket and hands it to Angel. Yeah, I guess that's true. But you'd think he would be like, I mean, Wesley doesn't have the power of, like, he, like as we see really soon. Right. Like, he does not have the spine. But you'd think he would at least ask the question. At least ask right. the question. Well, it all happens so fast. It does. He's very confused. He's in a youth culture environment. <laughs> Buffy oh my runs God. over to get Faith, pulls her away, and what does Faith say, Jenny? Oh my God, she says, call me, and while pointing to every boy seven <laughs> times, which is so great. So great as she's pulled off the dance floor. And then we meet Balthazar, who it turns out is alive, and uh, his head minion is Vincent Vaughn, the medieval times vampire. Right, totally, 100%. Balthazar is, you know, uh, most known for his famous line, that's my... 
Amulet! <laughs> he loves <laughs> to scream various things. He does. So Balbazar is a, a villain that sits in a jacuzzi of hot boiling liquid that people spoon over his body, which is certainly he's related to the master. I will tell you that right now. Well, they have, They're they cousins. Have similar. Oh, yeah. Their mouths, Their mouths are very similar. are bad. They are he bad. He also has... What somebody in our Buffy watch dubbed mutton chomps, which yeah, are yeah. like teeth, sort of, where like mutton chops would normally be. <laughs> horrible. Just <laughs> horrible. He, he's a very, very specifically horrible demon. But something that I brought up a little bit when we did our live watch is that, and I, and I thought this before Buffy comes in and quips her the first joke about Balthazar, which is like, that guy could really use a Stairmaster, which is like, hmm, mm. something's happening here. Like, there, there are things that definitely will always drive me nuts, such as teeth that are pointy and a tiny little mouth that makes me want to die, you know? Always yes. will make me want to die. Uh, yeah. But there's a, there's a play that's happening here where um, being fat is also associated with being unclean, being lazy, being, you know, all of these super negative stereotypes that are often assigned to being fat. And right. and in this case, it's quite literally demonized and poked fun at. It's yeah. almost like, you know, it's almost like, well, this demon, he's bad because he kills people, but like he wouldn't be as bad if he wasn't as fat. Uh, yeah, you know... Why did they have to take this episode, this which is beautiful, full episode. of everything that I love? It's it's <laughs> nearly perfect. It's ninety eight percent composed of things that make me very happy, but then there's this sliver of fat shaming and cruel stereotyping. Yeah, it's it's not great, and it's also something that I think goes very unnoticed, which is why I want, which is why we want to call attention to it. Right, that you're right. sort of like ah, the guy, like he's sitting in that tub, and he's what, and you and like I think a lot of people's minds are not trained to be aware of what's happening here because you know the fat shaming is a thing that happens, but it's also something that. It's something that's really perpetuated by the media. You know, the media is a big hand in giving us, you know, joke after joke, character after character. Sure. That does these these kinds of things. So it's certainly not isolated to this episode of Buffy by a, by a long shot. But and because it's here, yes, we want we see it. to note it. We note it. Now, uh, Balthazar, they see... So Buffy and Faith see Balthazar, and, and right. Faith is like... You know, this would be better if we just had... Oh, look, a bow and arrow store. <laughs> it's like a, a sporting goods store? It's that? a sporting goods store. Uh, and uh, Buffy's like, if only they were open. <laughs> and Faith's like, they're open for me. Also, so low. this music, the music is like, boom, boom. <laughs> Criminals doing <laughs> criminal things. Do -do -do -do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Faith... Uh, introduces Buffy to one of her most memorable philosophies. Yes. Want, take, have. And Buffy's like, oh, I get this. Want, take, have, get arrested? <laughs> and Faith's like, no, no. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it all wrong. <laughs> so also, Faith has a great line in the season. The cops show up and they're like, oh, shit. And of course, Buffy's like just terrified. Of and course. Faith is scared but faith is quipping faith oh is like my God. it's like buffy to demons is faith to cops you know 
She's just, amazing. She's just full of yeah, quips. Yeah, Faith never quips at uh, demons. No, she? she's got all the quips in her heart for all the cops in yeah, the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not having it. Oh, my uh, God. She's, the cops, she's, like, spread him, and she's like, you, you wish. Yeah, and then I like him. He's butch. <laughs> oh, yeah, you like butch um, things? Great, yeah, just um. <clears throat> Then we, uh, then, so the, the cops are taking them downtown. They're like, what are you girls uh, loading up for, uh, on your arsenal for your girl gang? Yes, this is great. So I'm reading um, our, our secret Patreon people do wonderful things. And we've mentioned before they have a book club. And the first book that they're reading for their book club is a book called The Power, where suddenly women develop this electrical current that they can discharge through their palms. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you would imagine what uh, might happen to the power dynamic in the world if that happened. Right. So just watching this scene reminded me of what I'm reading in this book where they're like in the back and the cops are like, what are you, one of those girl gangs? And they're like, and Faith is like, yeah, we're called the Slayers. And they're like, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. And then the girls are like, zap, you know? <laughs> or in this case, foom. Yeah, and I would they, like, I would like to give uh, a particular jingle to this moment, Jenny, because I think that our Slayers as the male as the white male cops chuckle to themselves about the silly girl slayers in the front seat, and they say, ha, 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 zap, I think they're smashing something. The patriarchy! <laughs> you know... You can only smash the patriarchy double if you're not only smashing the patriarchy, but you're sleeping with the lady friend that oh, you're smashing my. the patriarchy with. Double Goodness. smash. Wow. Bam. Wow. Boom. Speaking of double smash, um, you know what I can't understand? The three very popular gifts from this episode. I don't understand how they're not in a uh, quartet with a gif of Buffy and Faith uncuffing each other. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> a plus. You can make that gift. Jenny you know? Owen Young's Voter Choice Award Best Gift <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> Buffy and Faith uncuffing each other. Yeah. Beautiful. So, okay, so they uncuff each other. And then we cut to um, the kitchen where Buffy, okay, so fine. Buffy's reading the newspaper because she's like, oh, man, does anybody going to know that two girls flipped a cop car? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> but what I really want to talk about in this scene is that this episode is called Bad Girls. And I feel like a little nod was given to Joyce Summers. Wow. Who, who's dressed in her red robe yes. in the kitchen. She walks over and she says, hey, you want to break our diet today? <laughs> I just thought it was really funny and sweet and wonderful that Joyce got to be included in yeah. the Girls Club. She just wants to make some naughty waffles. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all, Joyce? So then we get to see the mayor uh, taking a quick photo with the Boy Scouts. Yes. And he says, they, they're so cute, I could just eat them up. Great, great. Mm -hmm. Shortly before... Uh, Vincent Vaughn, the medieval times vampire, <laughs> stumbles out of the liquor cabinet. Yes. And tries to kill the mayor. Right. And there's a moment in here that Jenny has noticed, and probably most of you have noticed, but I hadn't noticed it until this watch. Because, so we're going to get to Alan. Obviously, we're going to talk to Jack Potnick and we're going to talk about Alan in, in detail. But this moment that happens where Alan is standing in the corner and the, the guy has gotten in that cabinet somehow, and the mayor's like, I just can't imagine how he would have gotten into that cabinet. And Alan is like, 
flummoxed and flustered. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't, I, I always thought it was just a little bit more unclear as to what was happening with Alan's character. But now I feel like it's actually. It really actually... feels like Alan is uh, having second thoughts and looking yes. for a way out. Yes. So just noting that, pointing it out. So, so Willow made a protection spell that smells nice. It's so sad. But Buffy doesn't care because she's too busy with her new friend, Faith. (gasps) Yeah, it's really sad. Willow can't come. Poor Willow. And Faith, like, barges in and is like, you ready, B? I'm here in my puffy vest. (laughs) I'm here looking like Faith. Ah. And Um, Willow is so sad. And the the last little moment of the scene is- Of Willow being like, stupid. Stupid. No. 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 Willow. Give her give Willow her jingle. She deserves it. She's gone through a whole episode of being ignored. Who knows the square root of 1225? Willow, who's gentle of heart and nimble with a hard drive. Willow, 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 Willow. I don't understand why Willow and Buffy and Faith can't all go do stuff together. What are you trying to say, Jenny? Just, I mean, one (laughs) is blonde, one is brunette, and one is a redhead. It only makes sense. What a great spinoff series. Um... Ripper's Angels. Wow. Um, Copyright it. It's copyright. I just, you can, that's how you copyright something, right? You You just just say copyright on your podcast. (laughs) Uh, Faith has another line here. How do you feel about getting some ribs after we? Oh my God. She's like, hey, I don't know if you remember, like what she means is like, I don't know if you remember what I said back in like earlier this season about like getting hungry and horny. But like (laughs) what I'm saying is like, do you want to eat some ribs? So like what I also mean is like, do you want to do it? Listen. Yes. Okay. Also her new like, uh, the continuation of this thing that's where slayers are like, I love a weapon that I have to load repeatedly with one projectile <laughs> at a time. Faith's new camouflage compound bow. Yeah, it's cool um, though. She looks, it looks, it's just impractical. But like, you know, maybe with with being a slayer, you want like even more of a challenge, you know? It's like give it, add, yeah, I add guess an element of difficulty. That's an aspect. So okay, so at, so there, so Faith and Buffy are going through the alley, and and Faith makes a really good observation. She like Buffy's like, I don't know if we're gonna be able to take them all, and Faith's like, I mean, if they keep coming one at a time, yeah, we'll be fine. It's basically a video game. It's a weird tactic by the Balthazar dudes uh, to to not to just be like, okay, you five feet down, you five more feet down. I just feel like if vampires could get organized, like a Slayer would never live more than a few days. Yeah, well, just like get all of yourselves together. <laughs> Maybe that could be said for all of the evil in the world, you know. Wow. Take them down, take them down. Anyway, so uh, Faith is slaying one Balthazar dude, and then Buffy's slaying another Balthazar dude, and they're like, pow, pow, pow. And then they round the corner, and this is really important, the details of this scene, right? Because yeah. they have, they've established a pattern. They're right. Kill, boom, another one pops out. Kill, boom, another one pops out. Kill. They've got their rhythm. Then, boom, Alan is in the alley. We don't know why. And Alan grabs one of their shoulders, I think Faith, but maybe. I think he grabs Faith's shoulder, yeah. I think Faith, but either way, he, he grabs a shoulder. And so, of course. Yeah, Faith reflexively. Instinct, reflectively, instinctively whips in the around. Heat of the moment. And stakes 
Poor Alan. Poor gentle Alan, who seems to have been on his way to share information about yeah. the mayor, if you ask me. That, if you ask, and you know, if you ask Jack Plotnick, I think he may have some similar hopes. And I don't know if you realize this, Jenny, but I got to ask Jack Plotnick. You did. I sure did. Oh my God. So I think now would be a great time for us to hear this interview. Jack is, as you are about to find out, a delight upon delights. He is a delight on Delight Mountain, is what he is. <laughs> And I was so excited. I went over to his apartment here in Los Angeles, and we had a good chat. And uh, you're going to hear some really fun stories. So let's get into it. So hello, and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Thank you so much for talking to me. I am so happy to be here, Kristen. This is just so fun to have you here in my apartment. I was, and we're talking about Buffy. Right? And, oh. I was going to say, when I walked in, I felt immediately at home. Um, you'll be hearing this after the holidays, but I want you to know that inside of this apartment, there is an elf on the shelf. There are <laughs> no. three, four, four Christmas trees. <laughs> so it's pretty exciting. Very much uh, in the spirit. And I'm a Jew. But... <laughs> But, Incredible. And by the way, two of the Christmas trees are props for a show I'm putting up. But the but the the big Christmas tree is totally mine because I love I'm gay. I love glitter. I love Christmas. <laughs> I grew up in a very Christiany neighborhood, uh-huh. and and I grew up in all of those choirs. And so the, when I hear these songs, it just hey. brings me right back to childhood. It's so nice. It's a better way. Spirit. I'm sorry. Christmas is just better than Hanukkah. It's got yeah. better songs, <laughs> better characters, better gifts. So. So I'm Jack Plotnick. You're Jack Plotnick. Yes, and I portrayed in the show, I portrayed the the deputy mayor of Sunnydale. A character beloved to my heart and to so many people. That is so sweet of you. It's beloved to my heart, too. I treasure the memories. And to me, it's just, it was a huge honor. Yeah, huge. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I can see why. To be on the show and and to have a role where... You know, I had, you know, some some little impact. Yes, I think a pivotal, it's a pivotal role. It's a role that people remember. Well, it's the only, uh, is it the only human that a slayer killed? I believe so. Uh, yeah. For I mean, certainly the first big the lines one. lines are wiggly, but this yes, is, I mean, that is yeah. right. That's the plot line, especially of this episode is, yeah. wow, we've crossed a line. Uh, yes. Specifically. But yeah. tell, tell, let's start at the beginning. How did you wind start up? Start at the very beginning. I cued you up for that. I have a beautiful <laughs> voice. <laughs> So how did you how did you come to the Well, show? I had just arrived in LA only about maybe a year or two earlier and uh I think this was probably the first dramatic series I booked. So that was a really big deal for me. Yeah. Um honestly when I got the audition, I did not know the the show. It had only, you know, I just I wasn't watching a lot of TV at the time and it was just not on my radar. But what was what I what was very exciting was that it was a drama and it was a really classy casting director and I was super excited to go in and when I booked the role I was over the moon. Yeah. Uh when I arrived on set, you know, it was a very strange thing to walk through Sunnydale and not know what it was. And PS by the way, later I became the hugest Buffy fan. So just know to me, it's it's top it's top three greatest shows of all time. To me, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But anyway, so I'm walking through Sunnydale, like having no idea what this place is, you know. And uh, one thing I remember is one of my first sort of reactions to being on the set. Um, I think it was the school set. I was walking through the hallways and just noticing that the the that the, the that the sets were not very expensive, mm-hmm. and it almost looked 
And I'm not, not to put it down, but it almost looked like kind of like my high school musical sets where like <laughs> kids kind of painted on bricks. Yeah. But what uh, the show was so smart about was is that they they didn't spend they didn't overspend on the sets like for instance I did Glee a couple years ago and they throw money into the fire with mm. those sets I mean it's stupid how much money they put into those sets they build them like they're a real a real place and you don't need to do that and what 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 Joss was smart about in 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 putting on the show is that he didn't overspend the sets because what he did was he got the very best lighting designer mm. and it's really. Uh, the truth about film is it's so much about lighting and that lighting guy knows what he's doing. Wow. And, and so they were smart about that because it's, it's all about the lighting and, and not, not, uh, not the sets necessarily. So, I, so some of that caused more questions in my brain. First of all, you said top three. Buffy is one of your top three. TV shows. Number one is Mad Men. Number two is Breaking Thank Bad. Thank you very much. That yeah. was my exact question. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I haven't seen either of those shows, and Buffy is a top-ranking show for me, so I'm going to have to put those on my list. Y- you really must. <laughs> I write? Buffy. I made a movie called Space Station 76. That is, if you like Mad Men, please check out my movie, because it you will love it. It stars Patrick Wilson, Matt Bomer, Liv Tyler, Jerry O'Connell. It's set in the future as we had imagined it in the 1970s. Wow. So you're on a space station, but everybody's wearing polyester and smoking. Where do we, and where can we watch this you movie? You can download this movie anywhere on the internet Amazing. you download movies. So iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. It's called Space Station 76. I made it independently, but Sony Pictures fell in love with it and oh. bought it. So it's now a Sony Pictures film. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's my baby. It, I, I worked when, 10 years to get that on, uh, on when did screen. It come out? And it came out beautifully. I got some beautiful reviews. It came out in... 2014. Oh, so recent, pretty recent. Yeah, Amazing. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so tell me, I mean, this is yeah. You kind so of getting back this, to Buffy, yeah. Well, you kind of answered this next question in just talking about your own work and stuff. My one of my questions was, did you watch Buffy? Were you a fan? Yes. And are you a fan of fantasy horror? That genre in general. Okay, so so very first thing I fell in love with was Carol Burnett shows, and that's what got me. Is probably why I'm an actor today. That you know that and Saturday Night Live and this concept of comedic sketches, but. At the exact same moment, I was um, sitting alone in my kitchen every night watching Star Trek. No one in my family wanted to watch it. And then my the, the the movie that I saw more times in my life than any other movie is Empire Strikes Back. And it hit me right at that sweet spot, right before puberty, I believe is the moment that, is, well, boys at least, you get the most obsessed about something because you haven't discovered sex yet, but <laughs> your brain is like going crazy, right? So uh, fell in love with Empire Strikes Back, memorized it. So anyway, point is, uh, I was always kind of into these two worlds of comedy, but also science fiction fantasy. I'm a huge fan. Of, look, if you love Harry Potter, read the, the Christopher Pullman series of mm. co- The Golden Compass. Because it is Harry Potter for adults. So, yeah. So, obviously, I love fantasy and sci-fi. I got into the show the season that Glory arrived. Ah. And I fell in love with the show and with that actress. And, and, you know, it's funny. She, her baby, her the real actress's baby is in my movie. She plays the baby in my movie. She was so lovely to lend us her baby. Um, But she's a wonderful talent. And uh, anyway, just crazy fell in love with the show. And then then I had to go back and rewatch. And and then, of course, when my friend Tom got on the show, then that just made my head explode. So that's that's a question that I have. We put to Twitter that you were going to be on the show. And so they had some questions for us. Oh, I love that. Alexandria from Twitter wrote in and said, did you have a role in getting Tom Link on Buffy or did you meet after you'd both been on the show? Well, I wrote I wrote the role of Andrew and created it for him and then I cast him. In. No, no, I had nothing to do breaking, with it. Breaking. Yeah, nothing to do with it. Um, you know, they just 
I have good taste and they have good taste. So Tom and I were friends and he he got the role of the, the vampire and it was adorable. And then they liked him so much they... Yeah, they brought him back for Andrew, which is incredible, and he's so lucky and so talented. Um, yeah, and you all and you all are working together now. Currently, you just had a show in December. Yes, yeah, we just did a holiday show, and and I'm in a lot of his. We make videos together where we're arguing because we we love to argue, um, and uh, <laughs> so we often, if we have a good argument. And we never really mean it. We'll go, oh, we should film this. This is a good argument for for your Instagram account. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he'll call me and say, oh, my God, I'm wearing a cardboard dress. Can you come over and film me in it? I'm oh. like, sure. So, yeah, he's he's, he's, my, he's one of my closest friends. Amazing. And um, I adore him. Yes. Um, we're very excited to get to his his part of the show. <clears throat> yes. Around the bend. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about Alan, shall we? Why not? Um, first of all, this is a Twitter question as well from Fozzie. Fozzie wants to know the backstory. If you made up a backstory for Alan, um, there's a lot going on. And, you, you know, there's only a few appearances of Alan, but there's a lot between you and the mayor mm-hmm. um, and in general. So did you make up a backstory for Alan? Did they give you a backstory? What I do is I just feel like um, there's a there's a quote from uh, John Lithgow. They said, how do you prepare for a role? And he said, I read the script. <laughs> and so, so, you know, I think that uh, me uh, and a lot of actors, what they'll do is they just use their own life and um, they just, a- a- anything from their life that is appropriate to the character, they hold on to and anything that isn't, you uh, let go of. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you arrive on set, I arrive on set and I play the circumstance of the scene. And, you know, Joss is such a good writer. It's not like you need to do a lot of work to um, figure out why the characters are behaving the way they're they're behaving. You know, it's clear that, uh, and honestly, it's been a while since I've watched these episodes, but, you know, I, I think Alan's a sycophant and, and he's uh, very needy for approval and um, wants to rise up in the world and is willing to, to uh, break laws to do it and to work for people who don't necessarily... Uh, you know, yeah, obey the laws. So anyway, uh, to me, that's really delicious and rich and interesting. And yeah. so I don't really need to know like what my character had for breakfast or right. <laughs> or what, you know, if, what his grandma's middle name is. Yeah. Um, not that I, you know, if, if you like doing that, feel free. But I, I try to keep acting really easy, really fun. I actually teach um, an approach to acting that's based in love and not fear. And I, I have a free ebook that I share mm-hmm. with actors because I just, it's kind of my hobby is to give back to the acting community. Um, but also... It's on my website, which is jackplotnik.com, and and the free book is called New Thoughts for Actors. But on top of that, uh, my specialty is helping actors let go of anxiety. So if any of you out there are struggling with anxiety or get what you call nervous before you have to speak to people or interview for a job, please check out my book because the first section, which is called The Power of Thought, will will change your life. It will change your life because I studied self-help techniques for a decade and uh, then wrote this book and uh, really simplified it all. So if it made it just real easy to comprehend and fun. And I've, I've worked with a lot of famous actors who've written me beautiful testimonials. Oh, Alison Hannigan um, credited me for getting her the role in How I Met Your Mother. We did a, wow. we worked on her audition together. So if you're curious, go to jackplonick.com and check out my free book. It's there for you, and it's there to make you happier. Amazing. I'm curious. Okay, so, so you... I get what you're saying with backstory, um, but let's talk a little bit about Alan and Alan's relationship with the mayor and what that was like. You know, did, were you playing something in those scenes? Was it? Um, I'll tell you, it wasn't hard to uh, experience what Alan was experiencing in those scenes because I was a huge fan of Harry's. Mm. 
And here's this actor walking on set with this incredible career. You know, I'm also come from the musical theater world and he is, you know, he's a legend there. And so really I just let, I just used what was happening, which was, I was new to drama acting on, t- on film. I was a huge fan of Harry's and I just took him in and, and learned from him and, and felt in awe of him. And I just used that because it was, just was very appropriate to the, to the scenes. And what he was doing was so powerful. I mean, the way he was uh, kind on the outside, but you felt that intense power and, yeah, and, um, foreboding on the inside. And, um, you felt it on set. He's a very talented and powerful actor. And there wasn't much I had to do except just respond to what was in front of me. Mm-hmm. Now, what was it like getting the call when you're reading the script that you're going to die? Ah, I, guess, I, I mean, I can only guess that I was bummed. <laughs> 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 because, you know, I, to me, I'm sure my first thought wasn't, oh, cool, I'm the first human killed by a slave. I yeah. think I was probably just like, oh, darn. Right. Darn yeah. it. I want the word. I didn't want to die period. yet, you know, and because I, I was loving doing the show. Yeah. Yeah, and I can talk about that day on set if you want. I would love to hear about well, it. Well, I mean, that episode more than any is the most strong in my mind. And that's the episode we're talking about yes, today. Yes, girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I remember I arrived on set. It was the first time I met Sarah Michelle. And she was, my, my, my reaction was, boy, she's so professional and kind. And like, because, you know, they, the leads in shows don't have to say hello to you. And she made sure to. And, mm-hmm. and she was very kind when she did. And then I was there while they were filming the uh, scene right after they stake me where they run away. And I remember that um, there's a single take where you watch both of them uh, jump over a fence, Sarah, and then a wall. Yeah. And what was so fun to, to, to find out was that, if, and if you watch the scene, you're, you're gonna notice this, that, that on her way to jumping over the fence, Sarah runs behind a box. Well, the person running out of the box and over the fence is not Sarah, it's her stunt girl. <laughs> stunt woman, sorry. <laughs> and uh, I'm so 50 stunt girl, but um, so it was really cool how how seamless it is, and 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 it's called an in camera trick where huh. they didn't stop the camera. Sarah ran behind the box, and and her stunt woman just took off this uh, at the appropriate moment, and it is so seamless. Wow. Yeah, and but you'll notice that um, Eliza, yeah, that she did she did the stunt. Yeah, she was uh, she was so fun, Eliza, and um, it was really great to hang out with her. She was. Totally willing. Yeah, like, come to my trailer, you know, have a cigarette. <laughs> she was really easygoing, and we instantly went, like, oh, okay, like, I get you, yeah. and, and you're you're one of the gang, and you're easygoing. And um, so she was happy to to do whatever stunt they gave her. That, And then um, wanted me to talk about the death? Yeah, I would love to hear about what well, transpired, um, how that was for you. So, you know, at that age, you're just, you're just happy to do anything. And I remember they said, okay, so you okay doing the stunt? I was like, Sure. And they're like, okay, so they put this pad on my back. It was like, oh, it wasn't a pad as much as like a piece of plastic, mm-hmm. you know, to protect my back. And they go, okay, so when we yell action, throw yourself against that dumpster and fall down. <laughs> okay, so that's it. That's all they said. Your full direction. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've had, yeah, around the same time in my life, I did a commercial. They were like, run into that sign with your face and fall down. You're like, okay, but I need to figure out how. So I did it, and um, I, you probably got, I probably got stunt pay each time I did it. I don't mm-hmm. remember. But it hurt. That hurt a little. But it was more exciting than anything else. And then came the shot where they staked me. Okay, that really hurt. That, really? They don't tell you that. Be, that... Those, you know, they said, don't worry, it's a tractable stake. They showed me it. Sarah was really sweet. She's like, see, here's how it works. They were like, action and stake. And I was like, oh, 
I mean, I'm not acting there. It's, yeah, that steak wow. hurt. Because I guess even if it's retractable, the force of it is still hitting you in the chest. Yeah, and of course I had something to protect me, but it's still you're being punched in the chest. Yeah. But still, like, I wasn't, I, I don't remember having anything other than just, like, excitement and a little bit of surprise at how much that hurt. <laughs> so anyway, then, <laughs> then um, Joss came on set for my death. And that was the first time I met him, mm-hmm. and um, I, it was really exciting that he had come to set specifically to to come down to see watch the death and yeah. make sure that he was happy with it, I suppose. And um, I can't remember if he told me to or the director, but they said put have some blood in your mouth and let it come out afterwards. And I think I was the one who decided I'll be trying to talk and let this blood drip out. And um, and so that we did the the shot, and I die. And I'll never forget it that after they said, okay, cut, print, that's a wrap, Joss uh, came up to me and said, that was a really terrific death. And, you know, you just, you never forget stuff like that. Yeah. And wow. I do, I love that scene. I, I It's, it was a, a satisfying end of my character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, it that image, you know, I mean, even when you search the character's name, Alan, like the first image you see is that like blood coming out of yeah, your Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy the sp- specific thing that he's trying to say something. I find that really unsettling to watch. I don't know. And uh, yeah. 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 And, and we don't really know. I don't think we ever know actually why Alan was in that alley when he got staked. That like, yeah, was it's he like, going against the mayor? Was, was he, he sneaking out of to, to like find someone to go tell on the mayor? Was he, yeah. Was he working for the mayor? Right. Was he trying to meet a date? <laughs> Was that your? Was that? Would that be your preferred? Yeah, that's the backstory. <laughs> um, yeah, you you don't know, but um, I mean, I have my guesses, and I think that he, I think he was ready to to uh, to switch sides. Mm. Oh, that's heartening in today's day and age to hear. Yeah, because you Alan... can see that it's never really in his heart to. He wants out. Yeah. You know, those last couple office scenes, he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have one last question for you, and that's like a larger question. Which is you were you were the de- you were the assistant to the mayor, but if Alan was the mayor, what kind of mayor do you think Alan would have been? You know, Alan is such a pushover. I would guess that I and I don't think he's inherently evil. I think he is opportunistic. Meaning, I think if someone had said, you know, if you let us drill in that nature preserve, we're going to give you all this money. And it's going to, you know, I think he 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 maybe would have been convinced to do little things like that, mm-hmm. little evils. But I don't know. I think he was a pretty good guy. And and I think all it would have taken is, you know, the, the ladies' uh, uh, commerce club to come in and say, we need a new veterans hospital and orphanage. And he would have been like, here you go. I got the money from drilling in the nature preserve. <laughs> <laughs> a complicated mayor. How yeah. do we know to like him or to not like him? Yeah. Um, that's incredible. I, I cannot thank you enough for Oh, what a joy. What us. a joy. Thank you for having yes, me. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's been so fun for us to get to interact with the fans. I, you know, something that I didn't ask you, maybe one quick thing before we go is, have you had experiences with the fans of the show? Do you do, you do cons or did you used to do cons? Or I was never invited to a con. What? I know. What kind of? What? I know. I And I would have loved to. And I once went with Tom to one and walked around hoping I'd be noticed. I think one person noticed me. I just, you know, people tend to be on the lookout for the bigger characters. And um, so, no, yeah, no, I never, uh, but I love anybody who loves the show because we're all really a brotherhood, not just of people who, who love the show, but who have the same 
um, ideals, who care about the same things, who care about uh, empowerment of women, who care about bringing down the patriarchy, <laughs> who, you know, people who have imagination and creativity and who can look at things in a heightened way. In other words, if, if you're able to understand these and, and, and understand the lessons he's teaching in these first few seasons before it became more um, serialized, then you're really a person who is able to see the bigger picture in, in, a, in a healthy way because you're not just, everything's black and white. Um, so basically, I think, you know, you meet a Buffy fan, you, you instantly like that person mm -hmm. because they get it. And they have good taste, if you ask me. I, I agree 100%. I mean, we don't need any more people, fans of football. It's right. like, it's nothing good. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's just war put mm -hmm. into with uniforms that look uh, colorful. But it's still that, yeah. Um, with you 100%. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jack for mayor. <laughs> So, hey, you guys, if any of you are connected to your community theaters uh, or the theaters in your neighborhood, I wrote a musical that was on Broadway uh, the year last year what? called Disaster. I wrote it with Seth Radetzky, the uh, Broadway host of Sirius XM Radio. It, it was a, a New York Times critic's pick. It ran on Broadway for four months. It's a 1970s disaster movie musical with all hit songs from the 70s, and it's now being done all over the country. So oh, wow. if you'd like your community theater or your regional theater to do the show, just get the rights and it's there. We've got about, we had about 20 to 25 productions happening this year so and exciting. it's hilarious and it's got a lot of heart. And if you like Buffy, you'll really dig these characters and their journeys because each person, um, fights for survival. And by the way, every disaster that could happen happens. That's earthquakes, tidal waves, sharks, piranhas, uh, killer rats. So it, it's killer really fun, rats. but each person is kind of discovering the true meaning of love through this journey of trying to survive. Um, and it's set in 1979. And again, it's got all your favorite songs, hit, hit songs of the decade. Yes, that was my last question to you is, where can we find you now? And so that's Well, you know, all things Jack Plotnick are at my website, jackplotnick.com, including my free ebook, New Thoughts for Actors. And I uh, have an Instagram account, which is at Jack Plotnick, where I put up really stupid videos. And so <laughs> if you want to laugh, check that out. So that's where you'll see me. Incredible. Yeah, I'm currently recurring on Grace and Frankie as well. I've been in the last two seasons, and I'm, um, I've am i got a in a couple episodes of this coming season. Wonderful. Well, it has been such a joy. Thank you for having you. me, Kristen. Oh, thank you so much for, for talking to It's so to great us. meeting you. So You're great. awesome. <laughs> thank you. You are too. Yeah. Um, have a, it, we're, I know it's past the holidays, but you have a happy holiday. I appreciate that. Yeah. I hope this new year brings you so much joy. Oh, thank you so much. And Stay Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Ah, Jack. oh my God! What a dream! What a dream! Such a delight. so many great stories. I wish I wish we had more of Alan. You know, I wish there was just a little more Alan for the world. It's so hard to say goodbye to Alan. It's so hard to say goodbye um. to Alan. That Ooh. was beautiful. That was actually Kristen, I should specify, so you all know that that wasn't me, professional musician Jenny Owen Youngs, but rather my wife, Kristen Nolene Russo, mm. who uh, does not believe that she has a lovely singing Just a few voice. riffs away from also getting the title professional musician. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so Alan dies. I, I, I do want to say that, like, the moment that Faith stakes Alan... It's like almost immediate. She says, I didn't know. 
And it's yeah. so sad. It's really, really, it's really so sad. sad. Especially and when you think about it in context of what happens later in the episode. What is, I mean, she starts bricking that wall pretty quick. Yeah. And and so and then the cops we see like I think sirens or you know, something like the suggestion. Yeah. More cops. Mm-hmm. Um and they run. Angel runs into Buffy in the alley. This was weird. To this me. is so weird because Angel's like I've noted that you have blood on your hand. That's so weird. It's not like you're fighting for your life every night. Right? It's not like we were, like, they were just in the bronze and Buffy had a gash. no. You know what, though? What? He could probably smell that it's not her blood. Ooh, deep. And also creepy. (laughs) Okay, so, but she runs into Angel and she lets him know that Giles, uh, has been kidnapped. Yeah, he lets her know. Is that not what I said? You said, I think you said she. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, listen, to each his own. Uh, but yeah, he lets Buffy know. And then we get this last moment of this scene. Where Faith comes back for a last look at Alan. Yeah, it's it's very sad. And uh, then we go, luckily, we get a little comedic relief. Because Giles and Wesley are with Belle. They're very different. They have very different hostage styles. <laughs> they sure do. Giles, and we've seen Giles in a hostage situation before. We know he's... But we've never had him standing right next to somebody who's made of jello. Stay calm, Mr. Giles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And then Balthazar's like, I'm going to take your kneecaps. And he's like, there's a man, and he is dark, and he has your amulet, and (laughs) my name is Wesley, and my social security number is... I like my kneecaps. (laughs) I mean, I have to say... I mean, I'd like to imagine myself being very brave in a scenario like this, but I think starting with I'm going to take your kneecaps off is a sh- it's a short line to finding Listen, somebody's limits. you know what? I'm not a watcher, so I shouldn't have to be. Yeah, that's true. Like, Wesley is a watcher. How do they hire the watchers? They clearly have, like, trash hiring strategies, except for Giles, who then they treat like trash. Yeah, you know, you know what's interesting, though, is that, like, Wesley, I think, is the ideal watcher insofar as the watcher's council is concerned. Right, they want, like, super by-the-book people. Yeah, they want, they want dudes, um, maybe occasionally women who are there to research and give orders and who do not like it's very similar to what we heard like Giles talk about in Helpless where he was like you're she's fighting the war you're waging the war and Giles is fighting the war with her like yeah, they, yeah. like he's all hands on deck and I think that the way that the Watchers Council is structured it's not supposed nobody's supposed to get dirty in the Watchers Council right it feels, feels reminds me of um, a structure that I can think of <laughs> that also fights wars Jenny you keep talking about these things that are definitely made up the ability to understand them but we don't Mm, no Uh, so so Balthazar gets really mad in this scene and he's like there is one deal and it is you (laughs) die slow or you die fast I feel like over the course of this episode uh, Balthazar's arc has just become more and more Eric Cartman yes he's just like throwing more and more of a tantrum as he goes on and like Losing his mind. What is the Cartman line? Oh, uh, respect my authority. Respect my, like, can you not just yeah, say, yeah, hear Balthazar saying respect my... I mean, basically is saying that. Also, just just a teeny tiny side note. If anybody watched uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson, Ooh. Uh, starring Sarah Paulson, among other people, <laughs> um, the guy who's in the Balthazar suit is the lawyer for the prosecution what? who has uh, the heart attack 
Whoa. or whatever in the middle of uh, opening statements. Oh, my God. Uh, you just waited to reveal that to me live on air. That's right. Holy shit. Aren't you amazed? I'm amazed. What a great fact. I thought so. Anyhow, then Angel's fighting and Buffy's fighting and Wesley is like, my Mr. Giles still. <laughs> then they Also, one of the medieval times vampires has a bleach job that's like, has an inch and a half worth of dark roots grown out, oh. which feels like a weird choice for medieval times vampires. Yeah, well, and also comes back to a question we asked and discussed oh, multiple right. times early in the season, which is, do vampires have hair that can grow? Yeah, yeah. Still really not answered because no. he could have just dyed the tips. Still a know? mystery. Could have just dyed the tips. So they electrocute Balthazar, and Balthazar has this like really classic horror film moment. Where so he's great. Like, yeah. So well delivered. Yes. He's totally dead, and then he's like, eyes open. And now, I just want to point out again that his relation to the master seems apparent to me. He has been electrocuted, his and suddenly shape. we see, I think the master might have gotten his mouth electrocuted. Oh. Mm, <laughs> that's where that fruit punch came from, I'm just saying. <laughs> Balthazar got his whole body electrocuted and he's just one. Oh, yeah, fruit he's all punch. red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's entirely fruit punch. And he says, um, You're going to wish that I killed you when he rises. Yeah, that's right. Dun, dun. Who is he talking about? <laughs> so cut then, to cut the to. mayor, who's now impervious and ready for Holy root beer. shit. And like, listen, this is some fucking Latin here. We have seen Angel do his fucking Angel Latin, and we've seen Giles do some Giles Latin. But let me tell you who nails Latin. The mayor. Mm. He is like mm. fucking screaming the Latin. It's so powerful. And then he stops, and he immediately is like, you know what? I don't understand why Alan would miss this. He's always so punctual. <laughs> oh no! But it's just like, ah, oh, Harry Groner. Man, what a great actor! Yeah, he's what amazing. an incredible actor. So so wonderful. And then right, and then we see well, all that Latin did. You know, Latin can do a lot for people. <laughs> You mean in terms of like making them impervious yeah, to stuff? Sure, just, yeah. You know, there's a lot of Latin phrases that conjure magic. It's oh, always man. in Latin. Yeah, I guess that's a really good point. Well, I guess maybe because it's a dead language. Yeah, well, it's uh, an ancient I and think it's ancient. Like the, the most is it the one? Mm, of... I doubt that it's the, the most. White person ancient. alert! White yeah. person beep, alert! Beep beep. <laughs> So, okay, so um, his face is cut in half. Right, and then it just seams itself back together. Incredible effects here. Just beautiful. Just <laughs> oh, I, 1999. Uh, but I really I do, do I, like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm joking, but I actually do love the way that these effects yeah. make it look. It's very yeah, really yeah. special. And just like the mayor, he pulls out his little to-do list. Oh, my God. And checks off, become invincible. Man. So good. And he must be so satisfying to check that off after working for it for so long. Right? And then this, right? Oh, because those items on your to-do list that, like, take many steps to get to. And you're like, oh, this is so frustrating. Yep. Uh, Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. So the the one thing that I want to point out of this scene, too, is just Trick. We haven't really talked about Trick a lot because he's been, like, similarly to Alan, he's been sort of, like, assisting the mayor and, mm-hmm. and hasn't had, like, too many main plot lines. But there's this great moment between the mayor and Trick at the end where the mayor laughs and it is, like, this maniacal laugh. And yeah. you see... After he's, after he's been sliced in half and then is like, who's for a root beer? And, yeah. like, he, like, skips all out of frame. <laughs> And you see Trick look at him like, this crazy fucker. I love him. You know? He's like, this guy's out of his fucking mind. And And I'm I'm having a blast. Yes, I'm so into it. So I like that. I like sort of like this little bit more of an establishment of their relationship that happens in that tiny moment. Yeah. Then cut to exterior 
blinking motel. You know, the last time we were outside of this motel, uh, a piano was gently tinkling in the background, <laughs> and somebody was like, I really can't stay. But Buffy, it's cold outside. But now things have changed. Now, sometimes uh, in a young woman's life, she must wash the blood out of her tank top in her dirty motel sink. I'm going to wash that blood right out of my tank. You know? That's yeah. what she's and then, humming to herself. And then maybe you're doing that and your friend on her way home from church stops by. It's such like a recurring like, theme. What is Buffy's outfit? I just like every time she shows up at the motel, she's dressed like an old church lady. And I yeah. just like I well, want... I mean, I think as Kate pointed out in her beautiful poem, yes. uh, they really, you know, they really go hard in terms of like what does uh, Buffy wear compared to what Faith wears in this phase, in yeah. this phase, and yeah. then in this phase. Yes, and they're like really hitting it hard, like. Buffy just went to church. Yeah. Buffy I prayed for your mortal back soul. Back to being a good girl. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Boring. Yeah. Boo. B- bring bad Buffy Kill back. Kill a man. <laughs> Kill a man. <laughs> Jenny means have gay sex. That's, yeah, it's all very <laughs> the complicated. The metaphor is very mixed in Flawed, this episode. really. Yeah, it's really. I, I wish I had been in that writer's room. I might have been able to help him along a little bit, but I'm so, a woman, so... <laughs> stay out maybe you can get the coffee so we see oh god we see that um uh are you are you upset because of the towel rack is that what it is because <laughs> i understand that towel rack is rough it goes from big to small and faith was like like faith like like the towel rack <laughs> the towel rack was on the wall when faith got to the motel and faith having like not had a lot of life experience about how things are she was like well it's big at the top and it's small at the bottom so i will pe- put one of every size towel to match <laughs> you know it's just like this tiny upside down christmas tree of towels yeah it's that is not the most upsetting thing in the scene but it's up there you're right um Force fields have been fully engaged. Yeah. And uh, Faith is only showing Buffy her hard Faith shell uh, exoskeleton. Mm -hmm. And um, she weighted the body. Weighted it. Dumped it. And then we get like the most chilling. Like it's advancing. And you see Buffy like when she gets there, she's like, I'm here to help. Yeah. You know? And then their very last back and forth, which is like, you don't get it. Mm Mm-hmm. You killed a man and Faith returning with, you don't get it. I don't care. Right. Fucking credits. Yeah. It's really, it's really (sighs) dark. And it's like, you know, obviously this is self-preservation for Faith. I think that it pulls out something that's very important um, between Faith and Buffy. They behave differently. They also come from very different backgrounds and different experiences and where Buffy might be able to feel confident in saying, we killed a man and we have to talk about it. Like her experiences have been way more privileged than Faith's have ever been. Yeah. Well, if you read the, uh, I believe, canonical prequel novel, (laughs) Go Ask Malice, (laughs) Go Ask Malice, (laughs) the Faith Lahane story, Uh um, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll learn a lot about Mm -hmm. Faith's past. I mean, you can infer a good amount from the show, but, but it's definitely, there's like a lot more harrowing detail and 
I mean, even, even on the surface, it's just like Buffy is living in a fucking mansion with 7,000 bedrooms and yes! has 14 <laughs> trench coats. So mad. You know what I mean? 40,000 40, cross necklaces. Like, yeah. and not to whatever, like it's not that Buffy's struggle isn't real. It's just that Buffy's circumstances set her up for internalizing things and acting on things in very different ways than Faith is set up to act. Faith is obviously not, does not have money and has not had a stable existence up until now and she's just trying to fucking protect herself and that that's what's so heart-wrenching about watching her put the wall up is it's not like oh faith why do you got to do that it's like fucking she has to do that like yeah it's the like, only what way else she can knows she do right it's the like, only way with she, the tools that she yeah has. what is she gonna do trust somebody else like yeah it's it, she's only been burned when she's trusted people and you know, I just I, I get a little worked up about it because I think that often I think one of the biggest problems we have in our world is that we don't have the ability to understand that our experience isn't someone else's experience. Right. That like the way that I experience X or Y is not the fucking same way that everybody else does. And once you like if we could just crack that one thing, like so much would be over in the world but that's that it's like the biggest thorn in our side as yeah. a society and i just think that it's illustrated in how we see faith and buffy deal with this situation because you can easily i'm sure there are people who watch it and they're like well why why is she being bad and buffy's being good right like why mm -hmm. why why does she have to do that she does she could be good like buffy and it's like no no no, no. that's not that's not it so Taking a dark turn in Bad Girls Wonder here. what's going to happen next. Me too. Hopefully more off-camera gay sex. Yeah. I mean, certainly, I think we can, for the record, confirm that, like, gay sex happened in this episode. We talked about this on the Buffy watch, and we didn't talk about it here. And and we gave Hellmath to the wrong Hellmath, or whatever. We have more Hellmath, because oh. the important Hellmath that we did when we did the Buffy watch was... They left school. Oh, my God. And it was daytime. It was daytime. It was like class was still happening. So at mm -hmm. the latest, it was like 2 o'clock. Right. Right. They bust into that crypt. Maybe it takes like 25 minutes oh, to walk to the crypt. Give them an hour. 3 o'clock. Uh, I believe this aired in February, and we determined that the sun set at 6 15 or 6 30 okay yeah i don't okay and you know like that. that bronze was not happening no. until 9 p.m at so the earliest what what were they doing did they do maybe a lot an hour for ribs motel six motel six i say a motel six yeah motel so are six. you saying motel six no. Oh, I was saying sex, but oh, Motel um, Sex. That's the song. I hope you liked it. I liked it a lot. That's my song. Jess and Jenny wrote one, but I also wrote one. <laughs> Mine just goes, Motel Sex, yeah, Motel Sex. Vote for your favorite on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, you have it. We're your authority, I think, and we declare that they did it. Or at least cuddled. <laughs> yes, at the very least cuddled. Made out. Made out and cuddled at the bit. They just did it. <laughs> well, with that great mystery finally <laughs> laid to rest and satisfactorily answered, I can tell you now, I'm free to tell you now that I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not making this podcast and writing Buffy and Faith fanfic, I am all writing songs, writing lots and lots of songs. You can hear some of them at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny. Owen Youngs. You can, and you can find me and all of my Buffy and Faith fan fiction. <laughs> Just kidding. I haven't written any yet on paper. 
but in my head. Well, erotic novels. That's true. I've written a ton of erotic novels. Uh, you can't yet find those on my website, but my website is <laughs> kristinnoline.com. That's K R I S T I N. N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And that is also my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle. So you can follow all of the goings on in my life, which is primarily Buffy related and cat related. So, you know, high relevance uh, in today's day and age. (laughs) You can also learn more about my work with LGBTQ communities and their families over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. And I also wanted to mention today that I run a series with Autostraddle, which we've mentioned various times on the Mm -hmm. podcast, called Getting in Bed with Kristen. It happens most Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time on Autostraddle's Facebook page. And it's a series where I give advice. It's also a series where I have some really fun guests. I've had Tegan Quinn from Tegan and Sarah. I've had Jen Richards. I've had Jenny Steph- Owen Youngs. I've had Jenny Owen Youngs. I've had Steph Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, if yeah, you watch that show. It's, cool. I've had a lot of really, really wonderful, fun guests, and there'll be some very fun guests as well in 2018. So if you want to learn more about that, um, you can also just follow me on Twitter uh, or Instagram, and I will tell you all about it. Or you can go to Autostraddle's Facebook page, and uh, the events are listed there for you. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at BufferingCast. And you can always drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at (laughs) gmail.com. Thanks, Jenny. You're welcome. You can support our work by rating us over on iTunes. Rating and reviewing helps even more. It helps people find us, helps people find the podcast, and that is how we grow our community. You can help support us financially over on Patreon. Go to BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com and just click on the Patreon link over there. Plus, not only do you support our work, but you also get fun things. Things like Buffy watches, uh, the MP3s of the songs in advance, Q&A videos. Uh, you know, there's a whole, whole long laundry list of fun things happening over there. Also, you can head on over to our store by clicking on shop at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. You can find sweatshirts and t-shirts and pins. Oh my, so many fun things happening over there. And something that we meant to mention at the top that we did not is so many of you have written to us about the fact that you're going to marches and protests all across the country, all across the world, and you really want to bring Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy on a sign to march. And that is the coolest thing we've ever heard of. Isabella Rotman is the artist who designed that first design with those little lizards with the little hats on their little heads. It's a great design, and uh, Isabella has made a version that is available for free download in our store now. So you can go on over there and print up your own smash the demon lizard patriarchy sign to march with and if you do that please send us pictures we would love nothing more than to see that sign marching across this country or many others where people need to wake the fuck up and smash the demon lizard patriarchy i just got very emotional thinking about it yeah me too it's it's really really special um so you just go you just go to our our store and click Add to your cart at zero dollars and zero cents, and you can get that PDF that um, right now prints up to eleven by fourteen. And you know what? If we need to figure out how to make it bigger, we can. But I think for now, eleven by fourteen is pretty great. Also, if you do want to get a handwritten lyric sheet from this month's batch, uh, you can do that over at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash greater good while they last. The organization we are donating proceeds to this month is Time's Up. Which is, of course, a new unified call for change from women in entertainment for women everywhere. You can learn more about their work at timesupnow.com. Stay tuned after the howl for me and Jess Abbott duetting like no two slayers have done before. (laughs) Well, I think two other slayers have maybe duetted duetted. to a similar degree. Fascinating. Well, till next time. 
Coming in, there's two of us and a ton of them. I live for blood and adrenaline, turn them to dust, but it never ends. If you're going down, guess I'm coming in. I've been good, you know, I think I've saved the world enough. Bad girls, bad girls, two's better than one. Bad girls, bad girls, just trying to get some. If you don't enjoy the work, girlfriend, you're doing it wrong. Bad girls, bad girls, just wanna have fun. Just wanna be bad Bad girls, bad girls Two's better than one Bad girls, bad girls Just try to get some If you don't enjoy the work, girlfriend You're doing it wrong Bad girls, bad girls Just wanna be bad Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.